Good evening, friends. Today is the 2nd of May, 2020. It is a Saturday. Our readings for today are Psalms 42 and 43, Exodus 25, 1 through 22, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, and the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. We are using, as has become our practice, um, a foundation of the Book of Common Prayer, um, the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer, Evening Prayer, Evening Prayer Rite 2, which begins on page 125, and also supplemental liturgical materials. We're really using, at this point, at least snippets from Enriching Our Worship Volumes 1, 2, and 3. Thank you for being here with me this evening. Yours is the day, O God, yours also the night. You established the moon and the sun. You fixed all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. Dear friends in Christ, here in the presence of Almighty God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins so that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Creator in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun, and our eyes behold the vesper light, We sing your praises, O God, Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices. O Word incarnate, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Psalms 42 and 43 As a deer longs for flowing streams, So my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I went with the throng, 
and led them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise God, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day God commands their steadfast love, and at night their song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk out mournfully, because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise them, my help and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From those who are deceitful and unjust, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you cast me off? Why must I walk about mournfully because of the oppression of the enemy? O oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the harp, O oh God, my God. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise them, my help and my God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Exodus, chapter 25, verses 1 through 22. God said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to take for me an offering. From all whose hearts prompt them to give, you shall receive the offering for me. This is the offering that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and crimson yarns, and fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense onyx stones and gems to be set in the ephod and for the breastpiece. And have them make me a sanctuary, so that I may dwell among them, in accordance with all that I show you, concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. They shall make an ark of acacia wood. It shall be two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and outside you shall overlay it. 
and you shall make a molding of gold upon it all around. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet, two rings on the one side of it and two rings on the other side. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark by which to carry the ark. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. You shall put into the ark the covenant that I shall give you. Then you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. You shall make two cherubim of gold. You shall make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at the one end and one cherub at the other. Of one piece with the mercy seat you shall make the cherubim at its two ends. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings. They shall face one to another. The faces of the cherubim shall be turned toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the covenant that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Covenant, I will deliver to you all my commands for the Israelites. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle B, A Song of Pilgrimage, found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 1. Before I ventured forth, even while I was very young, I sought wisdom openly in my prayer. In the four courts of the temple I asked for her, and I will seek her to the end. From first blossom to early fruit, she has been the delight of my heart. My foot has kept firmly to the true path. Diligently from my youth have I pursued her. I inclined my ear a little and received her. I found for myself much wisdom and became adept in her. To the one who gives me wisdom will I give glory, for I have resolved to live according to her way. From the beginning I gained courage from her, therefore I will not be forsaken. In my inmost being I have been stirred to seek her, therefore have I gained a good possession. As my reward the Almighty has given me the gift of language, and with it will I offer praise to God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Christ in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. 
But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices, and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as God has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Creator through Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. The Song of Mary, the Magnificat My soul proclaims the greatness of God. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on their creation. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. They has mercy on those who fear God in every generation. They has shown the strength of their arm. They has scattered the proud in their conceit. They has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. They has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich they has sent away empty. They has come to the help of their servant Israel, for they has remembered their promise of mercy, the promise they made to our forebears, to Abraham and Sarah and their children, forever and ever. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. The Holy Gospel of our Redeemer. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. God be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We'll use Suffrages Set B on page 122 of the Book of Common Prayer. That this evening may be holy, good, and peaceful, we entreat you, O God. That your holy angels may lead us in paths of peace and goodwill, we entreat you, O God that we may be pardoned and forgiven for our sins and defenses. We entreat you, O God, that there may be peace to your church and to the whole world. We entreat you, O God, that we may depart this life in your faith and fear and not be condemned before the great judgment seat of Christ. We entreat you, O God, that we may be bound together by your Holy Spirit in the communion of St. John St. Mary, and all your saints, entrusting one another in all our life to Christ, we entreat you, O God. O God, whose blessed word incarnate made himself known to his disciples in the bait ba- breaking of bread, excuse me, in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold Christ in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, the source of eternal light, Shed forth your unending day upon us who watch for you, that our lips may praise you, our lives may bless you, 
and our worship on the morrow give you glory. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Most holy God, the source of all good desires, all right judgments, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, so that our minds may be fixed on the doing of your will, and that we, being delivered from the fear of all enemies, may live in peace and quietness through the mercies of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Be our light in the darkness, O God, and in your great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Keep watch, dear God, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, gracious Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous. And all for your love's sake. Amen. Now is the time when we keep a moment of silence as we lift up in prayer. You guys feel free to speak it out loud on your end. Um, those for whom we have particular prayers. Let's talk now um, about our readings. So let's start with our psalms. Uh, these two are meant to be read together. Um, they are actually, they form together one poem um, as, in, as my commentary says, as indicated by the identical refrain. And we do see the repetitive verses throughout. So there's definitely a synergy here. There, there's also um, quite clearly a turning point as we turn from one psalm to the other as well. The, the, um, the tone changes and the prayer becomes more hopeful in its asking of God. And so I think that it, it does make sense that they are two separate poems, but also psalms, but that they are also inextricably linked. And something that came to me while I was reading these are that, that these are these are soul cries, right? These are these are songs that are the soul crying out to know God and to be known. And verse 4 of Psalm 42 particularly, where it speaks about these things I remember as I pour out my soul, 
how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God. It really seems to me here like the psalmist is almost doing an inventory of the memories that they have treasured up in their heart. And that as they pour this out, I envision this like sifting happening. So they're pouring out and they're letting that which is not helpful, which does not bring them closer to God, fall away. And they are holding on to what is good, like the remembrance of the procession to the temple, to the multitude keeping festival. And, and I think that we have gotten away from this when we talk about in some of our spiritual traditions about um, inventory or confession. I think that there can be, as we pour ourselves out, both those things that we didn't realize were hurting us and we were holding on to, you know, it is kind of one of the quirks of our brain that we hold on to the negative stuff. Again, it's one of those survival instinct pieces that doesn't help us as much as it used to, right? Um, But God can be there with us in that sifting process and help us hold on to that which is nourishing and and uplifting and let and let the rest go and i am um, i'm reminded of a passage from John O'Donohue's book Anamkara, which you guys have heard me reference before, and I'm reading with Jack in the evenings. Um, A beautiful practice that I'm really glad that Jack and I have picked back up is um, reading together at night before bed. And so I've been reading out loud to him from books on Celtic theology, which he's actually really been enjoying. Um, And before you scoff at that, just step back um if in, if indeed you were and I guess I don't need to be preemptive in that either he he is actually enjoying them we're having some wonderful conversations about it um and there was a passage that spoke particularly to my me and to Jack um talking about this section of the book is is talking about the soul is divine echo and it's found within the first chapter which is the chapter on the mystery of friendship. Um, And that friendship includes the ultimate Anamkara or soul friend relationship, even in the ultimate of ultimates, um, the Anamkara relationship with Christ. And this particular passage is is talking about um, looking inward, Um, And previously it it talks about the longing of the soul, which is related to our psalm, right? And how we we spend um, all this time and energy in our lives looking outward to satisfy the longing. And really what we need to be doing is looking inward. So in the context of all of that, if you find that your heart has hardened, one of the gifts that you should give yourself is the gift of the inner wellspring. 
You should invite this inner fountain to free itself. You can work on yourself in order to unsilt this so that gradually the nourishing waters begin in a lovely osmosis to infuse and pervade the hardened clay of your heart. There the miracle of love happens within you. Where before there was hard, bleak, unyielding, dead ground, now there is growth, color, enrichment, and life flowing from the lovely wellspring of love. This is one of the most creative approaches in transfiguring what is negative within us. You are sent here to learn to love and receive love. The greatest gift new love brings into your life is the awakening to the hidden love within. This makes you independent. You are now able to come close to the other, not out of need or with the wearying apparatus of projection, but out of genuine intimacy, affinity, and belonging. It is a freedom. Love should make you free. You become free of the hungry, blistering need with which you continually reach out to scrape affirmation, respect, and significance for yourself from things and people outside yourself. To be holy is to be home, to be able to rest in the house of belonging that we call the soul. And so that beautiful, slow seeping of the wellspring of life, of the eternal living water of Christ, that gradually loosens up all the gunk that we've got encasing us or even just those embedded hard bits within all of that being obstacles whether it's embedded in or covering over or coming between obstacles um, blocking us from divine relationship with God with ourselves, with the divine in us. Um, and I think that the psalm, part of what the psalmist is talking about here is that divine loosening and opening. And when we pour ourselves out into that, we find that we get back far more than we pour it out. And what we get back is transformed. That kind of goes along with um, our New Testament reading um, from Colossians, where it talks about um, setting our minds on, on what is above, that we are died in with Christ, we're putting away what is earthly, we are clothed with the new self, verse 10, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. And we no longer are defined by our previous um, discriminatory descriptors, <laughs> but we are beloved of God. All of these things go together, I think. We rediscover who we are, divine and holy, created in and by and, and through God from the very same substance that God, God's self is made of. And something that struck me or has been striking me, I think, is that this is not a violent process. I, there are times in my life when I have prayed for a violent renewal, um, when I have prayed, a prayer I prayed 
a lot and quite often was to be flooded clean, washed clean in a way, the way I would describe it is um, this flood of holy living water just rushing through every aspect of my being and really like scouring out every corner. And although sometimes God's healing is painful, um, sometimes the healing process is painful, it's never... It's never ugly, it's never cruel, this healing and redeeming and restoring work that God is doing in us. And and I'll remind us, myself included again, that when I say restoring, I don't mean restoring us back to something that we were. I mean restoring us forward into what God created us to be. And I know that might sound a little contradictory, but that's the best way I can think of to describe it. And so as opposed to, I mean, yes, I, I guess maybe it's, it's a both and. God's living water, God's love for us is in some ways like a tidal wave that rushes through, but this this idea of the slow seeping of the wellspring of life is such a beautiful image to me um, because it seems so lasting that it's not this wave that crashes and recedes, but it is this bottomless well burbling and and spreading into the very smallest bits of matter that we are and have been and have experienced and it nourishes that which is true and it and it breaks loose in the gentlest of ways that which is not truly us, that which has encrusted us or embedded itself. And I just think they're so redemptive, something so redemptive about that that imagery. And I'm reminded of that here and I wanted to hold on to it. So thank you for letting me share it with you. Also in our readings tonight, our reading from Exodus struck me that just as, and I love the way it says, those whose hearts prompt them to give, just as they gave and made a dwelling place for God to come and dwell among them, so also I think it's very similar and also different in its way but very similar that we through the prompting of our own deepest hearts must make the space for God who dwells in us.
Then lastly, from our gospel reading. Something that I really noted here is that nothing was beyond Christ's healing power. It didn't say he cured most of the diseases. It said that he cured every disease and every sickness among the people. And and I think that is such a wonderful reminder that nothing is beyond Christ's reach. And lest we get into kind of that stuck spiral argument about why then is there any death or sickness? Why then is there COVID-19? I think we should remind ourselves that God does not create sickness. And this is, this is my humble opinion. God does not create sickness. And healing does not always look like what our concept of healing is. It doesn't always look like us walking around on this earth and our bodies in a particular way. Um, but it does mean that God takes every bit of that suffering and that sickness and uses it for greater healing and blessing than we can even conceive of. Um, perhaps when, when we are completely reunited with God in heaven for eternity, we'll be able to see and understand. And until then, as incredibly hard and difficult as it is, I do believe that we have to trust in God that God is doing God's healing work. And I do not say that flippantly or lightly. Um, and I do not presume to know in, in an experiential way the depth of the suffering um, of those who are suffering or have loved ones afflicted with COVID-19. But I can hold fast to this gospel verse and the many like it that speak to Christ's power that is greater than any of this. I truly, honestly believe that God's love and God's healing completely subsumes the suffering and the pain. And I know that there are times when it does not feel like it. But I also know with the deepest knowing that it will be revealed. 
and that none of it is wasted. That God did not bring this pandemic. That God will not allow a tear shed, a breath lost, to be wasted. And as hard as it is, I think we must look inside or potentially through our inside, so to speak, through the divine in us with the help and discernment in the divine of us to catch enough of a glimpse that we can understand just enough to keep going, to keep loving, to keep pouring ourselves out and pouring love through us into this world. It's something bigger than keeping the faith. It's kindling and spreading the faith, perhaps. Extending God's love. And it does make so very much of a difference. I do believe, and you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again here, that when we enter into this, when we do the battle that is really the battle to keep capital L loving. To keep extending that love through prayer, through connection, through, and in in this time there's hardly any touch, but through whatever means we have, we are entering into collaborative work with Christ. And God takes all of that effort that we put forth and multiplies it. Actually, it's, it's less multiplication. It's more like exponential growth. But you get, you get the idea. And... It's more than we ever thought it could be. And we may not be able to see exactly how much for a long time, but it does matter. Um, It's not just a drop in the bucket. We are not as single entities, anything like meaningless. Our prayer, our effort, our love and light given forth is incredibly, incredibly powerful when paired with God. I guess I've waxed on about that enough. Thank you for listening, friends, and thank you for being here with me tonight. I love you all very much. Let's go ahead and close out our evening prayer. 
Almighty God, you have given us the grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in Christ's name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.